This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Sherry Laskin dropping by with Cruise News and staff writer Richard Sims dropping by. To talk about nine cruise line ticket contract surprises. Some may surprise you, some may not, but regardless, Richard will be here after Sherry, and we'll jump right to her now. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So Royal Caribbean has officially started cruising again. Yeah, so earlier this week, Royal Caribbean's Quantum of the Seas began the first of a four-month series of three- and four-night ocean getaways, as they're calling them, but they're really just cruises to nowhere. Quantum of the Seas is based in Singapore, one of the best COVID-managed countries in the world. And in order to cruise, passengers must be Singapore residents, and the ship's occupancy will not exceed 50% to allow for social distancing. With so much to do on board with revenue-producing attractions and venues, these sailings really should add a bit of cash to Royal Caribbean's coffers. Each crew member and guest will be required to take a free coronavirus test before boarding. Daily temperature checks, as well as other onboard medical services, will be available. According to Royal Caribbean's Healthy Sail Protocols, all guests and crew will be required to wear a mask while on board. The cruise line goes on to say that guests should wear face masks in nearly all public settings, regardless of physical distancing measures. And all eyes will closely be watching these first sailings. For Carnival cruisers that had their sailings canceled, some positive news. Yeah, so short and sweet, Carnival Cruise Line announced that any future cruise credits that were about to expire on December 31st this year have been extended another five months. The revised future cruise credit booking period allows guests to book a cruise until May 31st of 2021. The cruise departure date extends until April 30th of 2023. Okay, so this should not be confused with the onboard credit that guests are getting because once they receive that onboard credit, that's good for whenever they cruise again, right? Yeah, that's posted to their account. This Mm -hmm. is strictly the future cruise credit. Okay, very good. And uh, Carnival is also giving away the drink package for free, but there is a little catch. Yeah, there is. So in a rare move, Carnival is offering a complimentary drink package. But as you mentioned, there are specific qualifications. So first of all, to receive the free drink package, you have to be at a certain level in Carnival's loyalty program, the Very Important Fun Person program. The best way to see if you qualify is to go to Carnival's site and log into your VIFP account, and it will show you the promotions that are available to you, which could be anything from this free Cheers to You program to Super Savers or things like that. So you'll find all that out. And I was curious. So, for example, I logged into my Carnival VIFP account, and I picked a 10-night cruise. So the free Cheers to You price for a solo was $2,858. Now, the super saver rate was $2,678 with a $180 difference or only $18 a day. So I figured if I could spend $18 a day on drinks, you know, that would include everything from cocktails to coffees to uh, sparkling water, 
then it's definitely worth the higher price. Now, keep in mind this offer to book this ends on December 13th, 2020, so just around the corner. And it applies to almost all three to 10 day cruises that depart from April to December of 2021. And here's a really important thing to note, the deposit is non-refundable and non-transferable. There's a mm. special booking code that's tacked onto this uh, free cheers to you promo, and that is not transferable to a future booking. All right. And that's very good you did that too with uh, running those numbers with the promotion and without it because, yeah, you're, you're paying for it in one way or another pretty much. Yeah, but eight, $18 per day difference. I mean – yeah, that's For like me, two, I, yeah, yeah, two vodka sodas. Exactly. Yeah, uh, Royal Caribbean's next ship has floated out. Yeah, last weekend in Germany, Royal Caribbean's Quantum Class Odyssey of the Seas floated out from the shipyard. When completed, Odyssey of the Seas will be the first Quantum Class ship to home port in Florida. Technically, Odyssey, along with Spectrum of the Seas, are considered Quantum Ultra Class ships. Construction on Odyssey is expected to be completed in April, and the ship will spend the summer and early fall cruising the Mediterranean from Rome. In November, Odyssey of the Seas will cross the Atlantic, bound for Fort Lauderdale and a winter season of Caribbean cruises. And Viking Cruises has recently hired a very highly decorated veteran for a brand new position. Yeah, Viking has added a chief health officer to its ranks, Dr. Raquel C. Bono is a board-certified trauma surgeon and retired vice admiral of the U.S. Navy Medical Corps. She was in charge of Washington State's medical and healthcare system's response to COVID-19. And earlier this year, Dr. Bono collaborated with Viking Cruise Line to develop, define, and enhance new health and safety protocols. Dr. Bono will play a major role to help Viking resume its cruise operations. Listener question comes from Lori in South Dakota. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. We are a family of five, and right now we're all booked in the same cabin for late 2021. Now that we think about it, we may get the kids their own cabin. How involved is it to set up a new cabin? One is over 18, if that is a concern. Well, hi, Lori. It's not very involved at all, especially since I will assume that you have only paid a deposit up until this point. And because one of your kids is over 18, you won't have to reshuffle a parent from one stateroom to the other. So your best bet, in my opinion, if you are thinking of two staterooms, is to first of all find two adjoining ones so you have a common door between the two rooms. The only hiccup to this is whether or not you want to have a balcony stateroom. And if that's the case, and you have younger children that may be unsupervised for part of the time in their stateroom, you may just want to go with ocean views for purely safety reasons. But an alternative, if you want a balcony for you and your husband, would be to book a balcony for yourselves and then put your kids directly across the hall in an inside stateroom. It'll be a lot less expensive, and that way you won't have to worry about them having unsupervised access to a balcony. You just want to shove the kids in an inside stateroom. I think my parents, well, I would hope my parents would put me in a balcony cabin next to them. Yeah, but you know, if you have, and I know a lot of the cruise lines have now put a super lock at the very, very top of the door, but you know, kids are smart. <laughs> they can scoot a chair over there and climb up. So I don't know, if I had adventurous kids, I would probably, 
I would probably go for two ocean view staterooms um, rather than with an adjoining door rather than across the hall. But that's just me. And, and we've done both uh, over the years when my kids were little. But um, I did like the two ocean views. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. Joining us on the line now is staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So I wanted to bring you on because uh, we recently published an article that Orlando wrote called Nine Cruise Line Ticket Contract Surprises. And now, while, while not every single one of these is really a ticket contract surprise, I guarantee someone out there probably doesn't know one of these. So we're going to cover all nine here on the show. You up for it? Definitely. And I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, one of the things that is sort of a surprise to many people is that they have even signed a contract. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that, you know, people always say, oh, I didn't sign a contract. Trust us. If you're on a ship, you signed a contract. You may not think you did, but at some point you click the little box that, like all of those terms and agreements that nobody ever reads, was you signing a cruise contract. So there's your first surprise. That doesn't even count. It's a bonus surprise. Yeah. You know what? To be honest, uh, 2018, we were heading on a 14-night cruise on Carnival Breeze out of Port Canaveral down to the Southern Caribbean. My buddy James is with me and he busts out this folder with like 25 pages all highlighted and everything. He went to town on this thing. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, it's the cruise line contract. It's things we need to know when we're on the ship. I'm like, wow, dude, you have done your due diligence because I've been sailing for 20 something years at that point and haven't done nothing but glanced and clicked. Okay. Same here. Yeah. I have never, ever read the cruise contract, but it's worth knowing some of these things because they could become an issue at some point. Yeah, especially like number one, no liability for medical care on board. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Here's the thing. People think that the people who are working in the medical center on board ships are basically cruise employees. They are not. They are contractors. So there is, you know, you are you are signing a contract. Your cruise contract is with the cruise line. It is not with these contracted workers. So, you know, let's be clear here. The chances of there being any reason you have to worry about this are very, 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 very slim. But it's important to know the difference between, you know, who you're dealing with and who you think you're dealing with. It's also important and we talk about this a lot, but it really bears repeating because so many people ignore it by travel insurance. I, um, during one of my cruises on a ship, 
contracted pink eye, probably from the casino. You know, you're touching a lot of weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to go to the clinic on board, and it was a very simple process. They were very nice. Uh, they gave me this little tiny vial of eye drops, and the entire visit cost me around $500. Thankfully, because I had cruise insurance, it was covered. So that's an important step here is make sure you have cruise insurance. But also just know that if something goes wrong, and you were to, God forbid, need to like sue for malpractice or something, you wouldn't be dealing directly with the cruise line. You would, they don't have any liability in this department. You would be dealing with the contractors. Hmm. Number two here, it says itineraries can change at any time. Kind of obvious. Obvious. And also, you know, this is something that happens all the time. And you always hear people complain about it. You hear people say they're, you know, they're going to sue because they wanted to go to Great Stirrup K or wherever. And and the ship ended up having to go somewhere else. Now, the lines don't ever want to change the itineraries. It's a pain in the butt for them to change the itineraries. So if they do, they're doing it for a reason. But here's the important thing. They don't need your permission. They can go wherever they want. Uh, you know, that's 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 completely in their wheelhouse, so to speak. So that is and it is definitely spelled out in your contract that they you know, if they want to go out to sea and circle for four days and then bring you back, they can do that. But again, this isn't something they want because obviously yeah. they thrive on customer satisfaction. It's important that you be happy. But they give themselves this out so that if something happens and they do have to go somewhere else, you can't turn around and say, you know, I demand a refund. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing the cruise line is responsible for, you bought a seven-night cruise. They have to give you a seven-night cruise. They can do wherever they want to go. Yeah. Moving on to the next one here. This one's interesting. I didn't know this until I read the contract. Cruise lines can actually place a lien on your luggage. This one is very interesting to me. So let's say that you're like me and you like to spend a little time in the casino, mm-hmm. preferably not contracting pink eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and while you're in the casino, you run up a bit of a debt. And it turns out that you don't actually have enough money to pay that debt. Well, if you happen to have a lovely piece of luggage or maybe you have a gold watch or they basically can can put a lien on pretty much anything you've brought on board until you settle your debt with them. Um that's, you know, and they also can go even further. Like, let me read you this part from the cruise contract. And this is from Carnival's contract. Carnival and the vessel shall have a lien upon all baggage, money, and other property whatsoever, meaning anything you've brought on board, accompanying the guest and the right to sell the same by public auction or otherwise for all sums which are due to them. So basically, if you owe them money, they can, like, like let's say they take your watch, they can go out on deck and be like, who'll give me $500 for this watch mm-hmm. and, and, and use it to cover your debt. Now, this again is, ex- I, I, I mean, I don't know of anyone this has ever happened to, but this is a case where the cruise line is covering themselves and saying, you know, don't try and welch out on that deal. If you, if you take out a marker in the casino, you better be able to pay it. Yeah. And also nine times out of 10, um, they won't probably go as far as the luggage route. If you know they can, because it's in the contract, they normally do like a promissory note saying, okay, look, sign this promissory note saying you're going to pay us $200 within 30 days, or we can ban you from our cruise line or do a lawsuit or whatever. But yeah. Or we can call our uncle Vinny and pay you <laughs> right. a little visit. <laughs> That's what I'd be afraid of really. <laughs> well, those Italians, uh, the number four here is you can be denied boarding. 
again, this is, you know, not particularly surprising. And we do hear about this sometimes. They don't have to let you on board the ship. Just because you've purchased the ticket doesn't mean they actually have to let you on the ship. It may be because you don't have the right documentation in this new day and age. It may be because, you know, you have a temperature and at their temperature check, you come in high and they're like, yep, nope, can't risk it, can't have you on board. Um, There are, of course, you know, usually provisions that they will give you your money back in most cases, but they can deny boarding for just about any reason. And it's important to recognize that these contracts are legal documents and they are designed specifically to be in favor of the cruise line. You know, you are never going to find something in the cruise document that is that says, you know, this is the chapter where we say you win. It's always it's sort of like it's sort of like when you gamble. Um, the house is always going to win. So but this is this is them covering themselves and saying, if you know, for some reason we don't want to let you on the ship, we don't have to. And if they don't let you on the ship and you say, we're going to sue the cruise line, well, you should probably know it's hard to sue the cruise line. Incredibly hard to sue cruise lines um, because in that cruise document that you're signing in that contract, it basically says any de- any any time that there is sort of a legal dispute, it will be settled via arbitration, which is a little bit different from a lawsuit. Arbitration, binding arbitra- arbitration means you both go and you plead your case to an arbiter and the arbiter decides and what the arbiter decides goes. What's interesting is even though the cruise contract says you can't sue the cruise line, you see people do it. You know, you see class, class action lawsuits filed. You see even individuals file lawsuits. So this particular um, part of the cruise contract is really more designed to dissuade you from doing it. But if you really want to and if you really have a strong case, you know, you can do it. But just know that when you do, you are going up against a Goliath that has many, 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 many millions of dollars, you know, some of them yours from the casino. That's going to be a recurring thing tonight, the casino. And they are going to use all of that money to sort of prevent, to stomp out your little lawsuit. That's why generally when you see lawsuits actually move forward against cruise lines, it's very rarely individuals. It's usually a class action lawsuit. Like the robo, uh, what is it, the robo calls? Yeah. Where they paid out a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah. In a weird way, because that that was partially against a cruise line and partially against um, the company that was sort of in charge of the robocalls. But again, not only did somebody sue, they won. You know, everybody got a little bit of money. This next one is quite interesting. They can use your photos for marketing. This is interesting, and it's also way more common than most people think. What it basically means is, let's say you're at the dance party and you're having a great time and you're boogieing under the starlight. Six months from now, you could see yourself boogieing under the starlight in the next commercial for the cruise line. They have the right to, whether it's your still photo or if they're taking video around the ship, um, they have the right to use that. This is actually kind of common as long as it's something that people are made aware of. Um, For example, a lot of times if you go to Disney World, if they happen to be filming something at Disney World, you will see signs that say, by entering this park, you know, if you are caught on film while we're filming, you know, Disney's magical Christmas parade or whatever, we have permission to use it. Um, So this is this is is not I don't think it's really exercised very often, but they do have the right to use, you know, maybe the photos that they take of you on, you know, as you're embarking or when you're posing with the drunken sailor or whatever. They do have the right to use those in marketing. 
frankly, I think it would be very unusual for them to to sort of build an ad campaign around somebody who doesn't particularly want to be used because that could really turn out to be more problems for them <laughs> than they really want to take on. They can also sell your photos. This is the one that freaks me out, and I have seen this happen. Um, I heard somebody, I was on a cruise line and, uh, I was waiting to purchase photos in the, uh, you know, the photo area. And there was a woman at the counter and she was saying that there was this guy on the ship who'd been like watching her and her family the night before. And he had apparently come into the photo um, area and purchased pictures of them. She didn't know who he was. <laughs> she didn't know anything about him, but he, she felt like it was really super creepy. And it is, it's super creepy. But if you want to buy somebody else's pictures, you can, there's nothing wow. preventing you from walking in there and saying, Oh, you know, that cute girl who ignored me all week, I'm going to take, I'm going to buy a photo of her, take it home and tell all my friends, you know, we, we had a good time. Nothing can prevent you. <laughs> there's nothing you can do to prevent that. Let's just say we've had a few drinks and we're wandering down to the photo area and there is an absolutely hysterical person picture of someone who we just think would be a very funny meme. <laughs> we can buy it, you know, like like there's nothing to stop you from going in and buying it. It's <laughs> it's interesting because as we move into the digital age, it's a little bit more difficult because on a lot of ships now, it used to be that they just had the walls of pictures and you could just go and pick up a picture and buy it. Now, a lot of the pictures are, are um, not only digital, but they're sort of associated with your key card. So without a person's key card, you can't see the photos. So I do think this is something that would become a lot less problematic as we move forward because digital, you know, makes it makes it a little mm -hmm. easier for them to control who sees your pictures. Keeps the creepy people at bay. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, number eight here, your cabin can be searched at any time. Again, this is not something that just should surprise anyone. It's also usually true of any hotel you stay in, things like that. Um, but they can not only search your room, they can they can search your luggage, they can search your, the safe in your room. Uh, again, this is something that let's say there's an accusation lodged against you. You know, maybe maybe somebody says you were selling drugs or something like that. They can come in and they can search your room. Uh, it's it's something that sounds like a violation, but I guess I always with when these kind of things come up, I always fall on the side of well, if I haven't done anything wrong, I really don't care. You know, come on in and search my room. I it's not ideal, and I hope you don't do it at two in the morning. But um, you know, it's it's kind of I think what I expect that they would I, I expect that they would have the right to do that well and also Richard like let's just say we were you know we had too many uh, margaritas in Cozumel and then we got left well the cruise line security team is going to go into your cabin and look for your passport whether it be in the safe or wherever and give it to the port agent so you can get home from Mexico so in a way I think it's kind of good and like you said um, if you're you have nothing uh, to hide why would you even care it's not like they're gonna just kind of snoop it around in there right although if they want to yeah <laughs> I guess can. they can yeah <laughs> have at it all right well last but not least here they can add a fuel supplement fee and thank God it's been a while since we've seen this it's been a long time it really 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 rarely happens um, this basically says 
if something happens to the price of fuel and it suddenly goes through the roof that they, you know, between the time when maybe you bought the ticket and you got on the ship, they have the right to add a supplement fee, which can be, it can be a one-time charge. It can be a daily charge. I think the last time we saw this was in, was it 2007, 2008, somewhere mm-hmm, around the there? The fuel crisis, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at that time, some lines added the surcharge of like $5 per day. It didn't last long. You know, they, they, as soon as everything went back to normal, as soon as the crisis was over, uh, they, they removed that surcharge again, which is interesting because, you know, it's, it's a lot different than say the government where once they put a tax on, they always say, you know, well, we're only going to, we'll, we'll, we'll use this tax for the next three years and then we'll take it off. And they never do the rare, rare instances where this um, particular fee has been added. It has been taken back off just as quickly. And so very rarely used, but it's important, you know, that, you know, they do have the right to add that. And that's true of other fees as well, you know, of port fees, things like that. Those can change once you get on board. If, if it turns out that like when I bought my ticket for, let's say the Bahamas, maybe I, seven months ago, I paid the port taxes when I bought the ticket. If between the time when I bought the ticket and the time that we get on the ship, the the tax that, say, Bahamas is charging changes, they do have the right to pass that on to me. It's very rare. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody complain that the charges were, you know, were changed after the fact, but it is something they have the right to do. Yeah, it's like $70 a barrel. It has to go north of in order for them to charge that. And it has actually gone past that since then, briefly, and no charges there. It was interesting, though, because back in the 07, 08 era, there, the fuel dropped below 70 in Royal, Carnival, Norwegian, and many other cruise lines were still charging that uh, that fuel surcharge fee, and uh, there was a class action lawsuit there. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. You know, something else for everybody to know, just um, sort of the flip side of this. I was I was joking earlier that they're never going to, you know, put in this contract, here's where you win. But there is also some some stuff that people should know about. And that is that most cruise lines have a sort of cruiser's rights guide. And you can usually find it on the homepage of the um, website. If you go down to the very bottom of, like, say you're on Norwegian or Carnival's website, if you go down to the very bottom where they list all the different little, you know, media links and things like that, there's usually something there that will take you to the cruiser's, um, I, I can't remember exactly, a Passenger's Bill of Rights, I believe it's called. And that's worth reading as well. In fact, maybe we'll do a future show on that to let people know what's in that one. Yeah, actually, that lawsuit back then, uh, $21 million they settled for. So 21 million. Now, see, that's the thing is 21 million, you know, to a cruise line. Well, right now, 21 million would be a lot because they're not making any money. But in normal times, 21 million really, you know, that's worth it. They'll just throw it at it to settle the lawsuit and make it go away. Basically, just refunding all of the um, the fuel surcharge that they took since the fuel dropped below 70. So, yeah, you think we you think we could get them to give us a million or two? I don't know. Right now, it'd be hard to get money out of anyone, I think. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Well, maybe when things are up and running again, and they will be up and running again, we'll write a very nice letter and ask. (laughs) When is your next cruise, by the way? 
199 days, not that I'm <laughs> counting. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I'm not sure if it will actually happen because unlike you, you usually cruise out of Florida. Mm-hmm. And we know that cruising is going to start again out of Florida. That's, that's you know, something they've talked about a lot. My cruise is actually out of New York. So there's a lot of questions as to whether, A, the ship I'm sailing on will be certified by then since every ship has to be. And B, will they be able to sail out of New York at that point, or will they be willing to sail from New York at that point? So uh, that's in that's in 199 days. Other than that, it's next Thanksgiving, basically a year away on the Mardi Gras. So I'm hoping for something. <laughs> After losing six cruises over the, the shutdown, my next cruise is 706 days away. So November yeah, but, of 22. Okay, yeah. Before the whole audience starts like like sobbing for you, <laughs> let's face the fact. If tomorrow they say, "Okay, Doug, if you want to come on a cruise, here, here's your room, two hundred dollars. You'll you'll be there. <laughs> you will book the first cruise you possibly can, and we both know it." Well, yeah, but I'm just saying the <laughs> the first cruise that I have actually that I'm making payments on have the deposit paid, <laughs> and I've already started you know getting my pre cruise stuff together is Carnival Celebration um, in November of 22. So yeah, gosh, What's little the itinerary. Under, uh, I think it's a 14 day repositioning from Northern Europe to Miami, I believe. Wow, that's nice. Now, see, that's something to hang your hat on and and, and yeah. count down to. I forgot to mention, if you want to check out this article, Nine Cruise Line, Ticket Contract Surprises, it's on the homepage at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, thanks for coming by and uh, giving a chat this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Always glad to. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.